Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. This morning we finish this chapter. We've been spending some time in it. In Hebrews 10, verse 39, the very end of that chapter, really introducing chapter 11, uh, we're told that as believers, we are people of faith. We read, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And then throughout chapter 11, we have this lengthy list of examples going through in order through the Old Testament of those who have gone before us, those who are God's people, and how they have expressed faith in their lives and the challenges they face. This chapter, it's often, and you've probably heard it many times, it's referred to as faith's hall of fame. And I understand why that expression is used. Uh, I have purposefully not wanted to use that because I think it can make us think, uh, these are people who are detached from our experience. Their faith is something beyond what we could have. And that is not true. We are not meant to read through this chapter, hear of how God used them, and then think, oh, it's a great picture of what God can do, but so far from my life. We are meant to read and be encouraged that we too can persevere as people of faith in whatever comes before us, because it is the same God and his strength that enables us. Well, the, the writer, as he has been giving example after example, he, he's finally reached a point where he realizes that he could just go on forever. So he realizes, as any good preacher, you need to wrap things up. And that's what he does beginning in verse 32 where we begin reading. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. 
our Heavenly Father, we, we come before and under your word that you again, God who speaks, would speak to us directly, clearly, touching a part of touching the parts of our life where we need to hear from you today. And so, good, faithful Father, help us not only to see with clarity, but to have the, the strength in our convictions of, of what you have to say to us. Minister to your people in your faithfulness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. These final examples we look at today were all leaders of Israel, most of them in the time of the judges, those who faced great obstacles and accomplished great victories. And their accomplishments are, are what we imagine faith to be. They, we are told, conquer kingdoms, enforce justice, obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the fire, the power of fire escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong, became mighty. That's what we imagine and hope faith would be. This is the faith we want to have, the, the faith of heroics and of daydreams. And yet, to be honest, there are some names listed there that surprise us a bit. If you are familiar with the Old Testament and you're aware of the stories behind some of these individuals, you kind of wonder, Lord, really? You're, you're going to include that person on this list? Samson, Jephthah, Barak are, are names we would not choose to highlight. They had shocking failures. Under our eyes, they just lived inconsistent lives. And the writer of Hebrews knew that. And the writer of Hebrews knew that including these names would surprise us. And that's part of the point. Faith is a gift of God. A gift that God empowers. Faith is not something that those who are stronger than others somehow manufacture out of their goodness and strength. Faith was outside of us and God places faith in us and the spirit who dwells within us causes faith to grow. We must never think of faith as something detached from God. Oh, we may think it's pointed toward God. Faith is part of how we're engaging with God. Faith does not start from us ever. Faith Always true biblical faith is always what God has done, gifted, empowers. And that is why every true believer 
can have faith in ways that are described here. That is why this is a hopeful chapter for us, not one of of people who are outside of our experience. Faith is not given to the worthy or no one would have faith. Faith comes from God and enables flawed people to live in ways that are worthy, in ways that are honoring to God, in ways that even are testimonial to the world as they look upon us. Faith trusts what God will do. One of the most dreadful lies that some who claim to be Christian preachers, one of the most dreadful lies that has been propagated in parts of the church is that faith is a power within us that we declare. And when our faith is strong enough, God must act because our faith is a power that comes upon God from us. Imagine such foolishness and pride that believers would think from them could come a power that then shapes what God does. Faith is that weak, flawed people are trusting in the person who really is able. The strength of our faith is God is so strong, so wise, so good, so faithful. That is why our faith has power. It is in the one who finds it impossible to fail. And so our faith trusts what God will do, that he will uphold all he has said to us. Thinking back to how this chapter opened in verse 1, faith is, and it, it describes something in the function of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is assurance that what the Bible speaks to us of and what our heart longs for Faith is what brings a conviction. It is true. We will see it. God will produce. God will be faithful. He will not leave us alone. Faith is what allows us to take each statement of Scripture. And though we cannot see it being fulfilled, we believe God is always in his word being true. The weight of our faith rests on Christ. That's why faith can persevere. Even in in those who failed horribly, who had great inconsistency in their lives, both in the scripture and in the church today. Faith can persevere in people like us because the way, what, what keeps faith going? God himself, because our faith is in God himself. 
And so we, we are seeing these names that we admire, and then in the midst of these names, we're, we're, we're given names that, that kind of shock us. And we are to see these two, these, these failures of people. God gifted them with faith, and even with their sin, God, God worked in them, and so that is true of us. We are meant to be encouraged that our faith can persevere. And suddenly, the examples in chapter 11, it does take a disturbing turn. Suddenly, the middle of verse 35, some were tortured. Goes on in verse 36, they they suffered mocking, flogging. Chains, imprisonments, stone, sawn in two, killed with a sword, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Now, many of these examples uh, that are given to us there come from the traditional histories of Israel, of what took place with many of the prophets with which we're familiar in the Old Testament. And so in the histories of Israel, we, do, we see described many of the violent ways that faithful prophets and preachers of God, how they were treated by a disbelieving people. Now we're thinking, can't we just kind of stick with the, they, they conquered kingdoms and overcame enemies. Can't, can't we stick with that part of faith? It was going so good. We're kind of, yeah, okay, we're ready. And then all of a sudden, we're told of how much suffering and, and evil came upon those who are faithful. Yet the point of it, of, and, and they remained faithful. Faith was not overwhelmed. Faith was not extinguished. It was not suffocated. It was not squeezed out. That They too persevered because their faith rested on the weight of God who even to them in that was faithful. These unnamed examples were no less victorious in their faith because the victory of faith is the fulfillment of Christ's kingdom, the fulfillment of his rule. In this world, his rule is in our hearts, that we have trusted ourselves to Christ as Savior. We have bowed before him. He is our Lord. We follow him. He he rules over our hearts. That is the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And in eternity, that kingdom will be the new heaven and the new earth. It will be geographic location and place that is not localized in one part of the earth, but the earth and the heaven will all be the faithful, fruitful kingdom of Christ where his rule alone reigns and all is right and good. So much so that 
as we already sang today, that faith becomes sight. We don't need faith as we have it now, the assurance of what is unseen. For all that we have trusted in will become sight. It will be here, real, the fulfillment done. And so victorious faith is not measured by our expectations of what God delivers to us in this world. Faith is not that God is making us comfortable, keeping our comfortable life. Faith is not temporal success, that everything seems to be going so well. The victory of faith is Christ ruling over our hearts and our lives reflecting the rule of Christ. We are trusting in him, living that out. That is, that is faith being victorious in us. And it will see its end in the truth of what God has promised being completely fulfilled. Faith trusts in God's plan for the kingdom of Christ. And so faith serves that plan. And then when the wheels fall off the bus in our thinking, in our life, in what we're doing, faith just keeps going because the wheels being on the bus is not, God's not dependent on that. God's not dependent on how our life is going smoothly, how well we think it's progressing. The kingdom of God is, does he rule our hearts? Do our affections follow him? Does our thinking, is it shaped by the reality of God? Do our words and our prayers and our actions show we believe God is true? And whether the wheels fall off or the path is twisted or people are speaking against us, none of that crowds out that God is true. I'm pointed toward him. I trust him. And so sometimes faith leads us along pleasant paths and sometimes not. And that's not unfair. Because it doesn't seem to be equal among us, does it? As far as pleasantness, things going well. Now, we reckon everyone has their troubles. Everyone has serious problems. If we just took one section and allowed you to describe all that you are aware of that's difficult, it would be hard for all of us not to be depressed. There's a lot that's heavy. And for reasons that only God understands, and he does understand. It is in his hand. Uh, some of you have been called to carry more. And there's no pastor that can give you the reason why you have had to carry so much. We don't understand those whys. We can just assure you 
God, God is so wondrously great and faithful that even if your share is massive, he will prove that he was worthy. Those differences are not unfair because all faith in Christ will be honored by him. Verse 39, and these commended through their faith. And we see the same thing in the, the first three verses. They're commended by their faith. I don't know exactly what it will be like to be before the Lord Jesus when he commends. But this, this I can assure you, there will be no lack in it. There will not be any thought that his commendation somehow wasn't enough for what you went through. This we can know, that when Jesus commends you for your faithfulness, for what has been so hard, your heart will be so full that you will not think that you have sacrificed for him. Faith assures us that being honored by God will excel any hardship that faithfulness brings. Because our faith, it's in a real person. God's not an ideal. Our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus who who is a real king, who has a real kingdom. Our faith is in the concrete, the personal, the tangible, what you will one day lay your new resurrected hands upon, what you will see with your resurrected eyes and hear with your resurrected ears. Faith is as real as it gets. We're just not seeing that realness all in this moment. Suffering always hurts. Loss always aches. Mistreatment is just hard. Faith is not pretending these things are easy. Faith doesn't mean we're untouched. Faith, faith when we are very touched, faith sees beyond. Faith is keeping its eyes on the one who is sovereign and beyond and over and under and controlling. So biblical faith perseveres. Because who our faith is in perseveres. 
none of these faithful examples throughout chapter 11 received God's full promise. Verse 39 brings us that conclusion. All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Meaning, they did not see the fulfillment of the kingdom of God in their lifetime, in this world, in their experience. And neither have we. But we have received far more than they have. Verse 40, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. What have we received better? We have more of the promise for we live in the new covenant. We, we are not living when there are prophets speaking that a Messiah will be sent. We live knowing the Messiah came. God became flesh and was born among us. The perfect man walked this world and he did not bow in any way to the enemy. He was not overcome by any burden, by any sin. And he resolutely went to the cross by his own accord and was held on the cross by his own love for you. And he paid in full that immense measure of the guilt of your sin. And it was washed away, never to be found again. The guilt of your sin cannot be found. And the one who is dead was raised and reigns. We have more of the promise, for we know, we know the name of our Messiah. We know that name, Jesus. And we speak of it. And we cannot physically, we, we do not know what his face looked like and it doesn't look like any plaque in your house. <laughs> but it's a face we will see. We, we know his character. When, when we speak the name of Jesus, all sorts of wondrous thoughts flood in. And we, we've seen how, how far will he go for us? So how much love does he have? How much commitment? How much will he sacrifice for us? We know the answer to all of that. And we have the Holy Spirit, the, the person of God dwelling in us in a way, in an outpouring that the old covenant did not experience. So we have more of the promise. And yet together with all God's people through history, we anticipate the complete fulfillment 
even of those who are now in the glorified presence of Christ, whether it's Abraham or Moses or David, the apostle Paul, they are experiencing what we can't imagine, but even they, they are anticipating until the rule is complete and all unrighteousness is cast from existence and Christ reigns over all his people. Together we await that. Where it says the last phrase, apart from us, they should not be made perfect. These, these men and women of God that we admire and we think, oh, their faith was so wondrous that apart from us, they will not be made perfect. This, it's something we, we all will receive. What is this perfection? What is made perfect? What is it that we're waiting for? It's not our salvation. It's not the perfection of the Savior or how well he has saved us. Genesis 1 tells us we're created in the image of God. And in a few months we'll be digging into that. After Hebrews, our next series will be on the book of Genesis. So we've already been digging into that and and really thinking, and we'll, we want to, while we're there, we want to spend a bit of time on the image of God. It is so important for us. The Bible begins saying, we were brought into existence by the heart and mind of God. We were invented by God to be in his image, meaning that something of the character of God and of his dominion over the earth and of relationship with him. All of these thoughts are, are brought into this. There was an image of God. We were made to be able to commune with him as no other being could to be in intimacy with him and then sin grievously, horribly, severed and distorted and the image of God is not lost, but it's not what it can and should be. God promises not only will that image be repaired, it will actually be greater than it was when Adam and Eve were first brought into existence. For the image of God that we will bear will be will be of such a height and wondrous nobility that we are told, 1 John 3, 2, that we, when we see Jesus Christ, we will be like him. We will be like Christ, living in relationship with. We will be where Jesus is in his kingdom, and all of that will be perfect, undisturbed. How long do you have an undisturbed fragment in your life? Undisturbed rest, undisturbed joy, undisturbed peace. We have little fragments of time when we can push away and ignore all the things that were still there. 
We will not live in fragments that are undisturbed. That will be life. Persevering faith is not only for those under great persecution. It's not just for those who face these huge situations. Persistent faith, most of all, is in the routine of just living each day for Christ. We are part of the story that is is partially laid out for us in these examples, the timeline of chapter 11. The, the author said, what more shall I say? I've got to wrap this up. But if he continued, and if time allowed, and he continued through Scripture, and then through the early years of the church, and then through the ages, and he came up to us, what would he have to say about what faith looks like? He would have much to continue to say about Real faith in the lives of his people. By faith, they got up each morning, even when they're tired, to spend time with a God they love. By faith, they brought their family together and came to main night, even when maybe they had other things they could do. By faith, they forgave those who mistreated them and even showed kindness to them. By faith, they held to biblical convictions when their friends said, just this once. By faith, they, they gave generously when their finances were tight. By faith, they served in children's ministry when they weren't sure they could handle it. By faith, they pushed past intimidation to talk with someone they knew about Jesus. By faith, they rebuked Satan's lies. By faith, they obeyed God's word. By faith, they were gracious on social media when others were combative. By faith, even though the time had changed and they had five children and membership classes at this crazy hour that Eric devised before the service, and by faith, a couple got up and brought their children on less sleep and came. May not have made chapter 11, but I'm sure this morning there is a time when they thought it should have. And it certainly is part of it. By faith, they persevered day by day to follow Jesus more fully. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you. that you would make how we are saved so unlike anything we would have thought up. Oh, we would have just stuck to our pride and our abilities. We would have kept selecting who we think should be saved or not. And Lord, you, you've just cast all of that out. 
you save who you will in their unworthiness by giving faith to receive grace. Lord, we praise you for grace. And we praise you, you give the faith to receive it, to trust it, to follow it. We ask that you would strengthen the faith of every person here who believes in you. Strengthen their faith for what is before them today. And we ask together that each one here, if they do not in this moment have faith to entrust themselves to Christ the Savior, you would give them that gift today in Jesus' name.